0: Welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. I'm Pete Clark, your host, The Whispers Guy. It appears that work expands to the time that we give it. And I started to explore how I was investing my time and effort, particularly on Fridays. It's evolved to an explanation, and experiment with time, energy, attention and identity. And a mindset shift from I have to, to I choose to. So if you're interested in exploring some changes to the way that you invest your time and your energy, if you'd like some tips on the way as you make some changes perhaps to your identity, if you would like the freedom of I choose to away from I have to, then this is the podcast for you. So welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the Freedom Fridays podcast where I have a I say this every week, a really special guest, but this guy really is, for me, a special guest because we've lived in the same country for many years, but we probably haven't met in that same country for many years. And my guest wouldn't even know that I've been following his journey over the last 12 to 18 months. And hence, that's why I'm delighted to have on my show today, David. David Riley, how are you,
2: sir? Good to see you. Smiling face across zoom here uh, and I apologize if there's any background noise I've pulled over to a um, you know a, a side street here in on the sunshine coast of Queensland and so um, we get any background noise then uh, my apologies
1: that's okay we've done 18 months of zoom David uh, I think we've had we've, we've seen and heard it all <laughs> so David I start with the uh, same question every week um, this is about ordinary people doing extraordinary things, people going through big changes. What's the big change that you've gone through over the last 12 to 18 months?
2: Look, I, I've, uh, I've dragged my wife and three kids on a caravan trip around Australia. We've done, you know, a big lap uh, over the last 12 months, starting out in southern Queensland. We're just finishing up over the next few weeks and we've done a, uh, a clockwise lap right around the coast of, uh, of the continent of Australia. And uh, uh, so that's been, I guess, my, uh, my big change, yeah.
1: Now, a, a little bit of a, a reveal. When we spoke earlier, David, you were a little bit unsure about whether that was extraordinary or not. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wager quite a large bet, not that I'm a gambling man. That anyone listening would go, O M G, that is extraordinary! How how did you? Why did you? When did you? How did that? I'm sure there are a dozen questions that are firing off in people's heads. So maybe I'll start with why? What? Why now?
2: Well, uh, well, there's probably a few things that motivated us to do it now. Uh, it's been something that, you know, I've been nagging my wife about for a few years now, and, and she fends me off with legitimate reasons why why it, it uh, we, we couldn't we we well we wouldn't be able to do it right then. But um I think the kind of the pressing thing that motivated us was we've got three kids. Uh, two are two are teenagers, one sort of late, you know, late primary school, and the oldest is Ah, uh, turning or 14, turning, uh, turning 15, and there's only a, a window of opportunity when uh, where well, you've got where your kids become a little bit too old to want to hang out in a tin can of a caravan with their parents for a prolonged period of time, and so that was one thing that kind of said, let's do it, uh, let's let's do it now, uh, and I think the other thing, of course, too, was was this once-in-a-century pandemic that has reminded, us, it reminded everybody that, look, you can plan, but plans can change really quickly. Uh, and you've got to really, you know, just, just you know, where possible, live in the moment. So I did say to Joanne, look, um, now we'd already had some plans underway, which was good. And when the pandemic broke, it was kind of like, well, is this a good time or a bad time? Look it's it's just time let's do it and so we we started just before christmas uh last year uh we were we're fortunate that we had a um an off-road caravan which allowed us allowed us to go to places and and see things that many people haven't uh and we've we've, we've just basically followed the sun so the southern hemisphere Summer, of course, starts around Christmas time. In fact, today is the first day of summer that we're recording on, first day of a Southern Hemisphere summer. And we just headed south. So we've basically followed the, the sun right around the coastline. We didn't spend a few weeks in, uh, in the early autumn, uh, heading up through the guts of Australia, right through the center. We, we went up from, uh, from South Australia, up uh, through the Flinders Ranges, up the Udnadatta Track, uh, up to Uluru, which is that air's rock, that that uh, that massive monolith that many see as the, the heart of the continent. And so we did travel up there through the early autumn. It was hot. Uh, it was, you know, early, uh, early you know, like it was 41, 42, 43 degrees. Some of the locals said, you're lucky, it's cool. There's a southerly wind blowing. It's really cool this time of year for when you're coming. So you're fortunate to do it then. Uh, there were some occasions where my kids didn't want to get out of the car because of flies uh, blow flies that just you know uh, just jumped on you as soon as you you and we ate some meals with you know with those uh, those black um, uh, fly nets over our, our heads and sort of passing up food up through the uh, up through the middle uh, but it was still that was a so that was the only time we really left the coast from um you know from a uh, at at a, at, a, at a great distance although in p- places over in western australia we did headland we did go in, inland a little bit to see things like the Karajini national park and and um, the gib river road and places like that so so for the 12 months we've just been doing been doing a slow big lap right around the continent
1: wow david i'm sure people listening, and, and I've thought about it, I'm sure people would say things like, wow, I'd love to do that. But I reckon less than 1% actually do it.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess there are uh, obstacles for why people wouldn't be able to have this kind of adventure or any, any I guess, you know, significant uh, adventure. And um, and those obstacles are, are real, and sometimes they're imagined. You know, they're in our in our head. Uh, and what would the, what would the obstacles be? Pete, help me out here. I guess money might be a uh, significant one for, for people. How do you finance that kind of uh, yeah. that kind of adventure?
1: Um, Was it expensive, or did you manage on a relatively simple budget? Yes, yes, and yes. So
2: yes, and no, and yes, and yes. So. <laughs> Look, for that kind of, I would say that um, it probably would, co- now, we, we did things pretty simply, but if anyone was wanting to do something like this for 12 months, you're probably looking at about 35 to 40 grand. So you're looking at about three grand a, a month. Um, you know, accommodation is quite cheap. Uh, look, we did it, you know, our accommodation was about uh, $500 a month. Wow. Uh which, you know, if you are prepared to to free camp a little bit and you and your your setup allows you to do that, you can do it really, really cheap cheaply. Fuel is about fourteen to fifteen hundred dollars a month on a on a bad month. But I'd like to suggest that there are many people in Sydney doing, you know, spending that on fuel each month anyway, commuting back and forth from 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 work. Um food again, you know, maybe 1200 a month. Uh, and so all up, it works out, you know, 40 grand for the year, about three Mm -hmm. and a half grand a a month. Uh, so look, we, you know, we rented out our house, uh, to do it. I I had a little bit of long service leave, uh, and a bit of annual leave up our, up our sleeve. And so I, I guess with any kind of, uh, change or any any adventure, whether that be travel like we're experiencing or maybe a new, um, maybe getting involved in your own business or doing something else. I think if you can just do the maths, and if the the financial maths kind of work out um, a little bit, but there's a bit that you're unsure about, I just encourage, as we've discovered and discovering, if you just kind of take a step of faith and go out and do it, all of those minor details work themselves out, don't they?
1: Yeah, I think so. And the, the I've
2: rest is my... this, Pete, with I you then, but I was going to say you would have experienced this with, you know, with setting up your own business. You kind of yeah. pull out a napkin or an envelope or a notepad or something. You work out a few finances, and you, reckon, you say, look, it's there or thereabouts. I reckon we can do this.
1: Well, that's an interesting perspective there because I'm not a numbers guy at all. I'm more faith-driven in terms of I'm going to trust it's going to be okay. I didn't even work out if it was going to be kind of okay. I just assumed it would be. And I actually gave myself a timeline rather than a money line. I'm going to do this for 12 months, see what happens, as opposed to I need to earn 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand, whatever it might be.
2: Then there you go. So if you can say, well, let's just give it a go for a year, and what's the worst that can happen, and be realistic about that, because some people catastrophize many things. And, yes. Um, but if you can say, what's what's realistically the worst that can happen? Can we come back from there if it's, a, you know, if it was if it was the wrong thing to do? Um, and if you can get your head around that, then uh, then yeah, you know, these kinds of experiences that my our family and, and others have had like that. Uh, can uh, can go from can go from you know wouldn't that be great to do something like that to wasn't that great we did it
1: yeah you, you talked about taking a leap of faith the listeners might not know that you're actually a man of the faith and your role is one of your many roles is, is a minister were you able to use those skills and background on
2: the way around look in in a in a Yes, so you're right. I'm a um, ordained uh, minister. In fact, when you and I used to work together, Peter, back you know twenty odd years ago, I ended up you know um, uh, we stayed in contact, of course, over those yeah. years. But I ended up going and studying uh, theology and and uh, becoming a uh, becoming a, a minister. And um, so yes, yeah, so that that wording I mentioned, you know, a step of faith is yeah. both you know, uh, you know, kind of an expression, but also literal. Uh, And, uh, and yes, so what I found, of course, was that, you know, in our travels, when you meet up with someone around a campfire in the middle of nowhere, people uh, have time and and also a headspace to talk about the deeper, more meaningful um, issues of life. And so, Look, there were one or two occasions when they would say, and so what do you do for a living? And I'd tell them, and that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> um, and, and often I'll even apologise. say, look, you know, is there anything I need to apologise for on behalf of, you know, the last few thousand years of uh, the church existence? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so... Um, uh, but look by and large, people I, I've, I've had you know, some wonderful conversations with, uh, with, with people and and we've also been able to stay in a few church car parks too, which is a nice perk of the job um, to, uh, to have to save us some, uh, save us some money. so um, yes, but look you know there are yeah, there, we mentioned obstacles. money's one, our kids are another, you know our kids, you know, one's in a, a couple of years into high school. Another one goes to high school next year, uh, and there's a third one who, who's just happy to, I don't know, just be wherever. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the obstacles I imagine was—is this going to impact upon their schooling? But but the opposite is true. It's it's accelerated their schooling. It's, you know, their their uh, their education has been fantastic, and I'd encourage. You know anyone thinking about doing something, whether here in Australia or in the States or your listeners, you know, over there in, in Europe, if they've got kids of a high school age, um, uh, they're old enough to be for these sorts of experiences to have lifelong, uh, well, uh, you know, have a lifelong impact upon them where they're old enough to remember and young enough that they're not having to, I don't know, stop uni for a, for a while so it's been it's been great for us but then of mm-hmm. course you've got you know you've got the imagined obstacles to why you couldn't do it as well they are imagined you know uh what if we get bogged what if we get lost how is this going to impact my career um what if we damage the car or whatever and we've done all of that we've got bogged we've damaged the car and, and all of that But just, it just adds more more stories yeah that we've shared as a family in fact did you read about a week or two ago that family that got bogged yes. on the Unidata track? We were up the Unidata track. We were in that spot in March. Luckily enough, it didn't, didn't rain. And, you know, these people had to get helicoptered out. Wow. And I saw some online comment, you know, this is a, you know, a mum and dad and two young kids. Uh, and they left their caravan there and they'll go back in a, after Christmas to try and retrieve it. And I saw some online comments saying, oh, that's my worst nightmare. I reckon that'd be fantastic. What a great story. You know, no one died and they've got a story that they'll tell for, for, for the rest of their life. So, yes. so all of those imagined obstacles of why mm. you can't do it, it they yeah. are imagined. Uh, and sometimes you kind of got to say, well, look, let's, if, if, you, if there's been something in your heart that you wanted to do, to, and it won't go away, you know. And this 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 experience didn't go away. I tried to make it go away, but it wouldn't go away. I I kept on bringing it up with my wife. And if you, if if your listeners have something on their heart that won't go away, just just do it.
1: Great, great advice, sir. Um, you may remember I've got an education background, and so I trained as a teacher. And I remember years ago, um, I can't remember who it was, but they defined education as everything that you remember after you've forgotten everything that you've learned. Meaning the school-based stuff is negligible, negligent, you know, almost immaterial compared to life experiences. And you've just given your kids, you know, a whole lifetime of experiences in, in 12
2: months. Yes, that's, yes. And that is, Pete, that's my. I hope if I can get a little bit, sort of, you know, a bit vulnerable here with you, your, your, your man. You know, um, uh, you know, I knew that I would regret not doing it. You know, if we lay, laying on my deathbed in years to come, um, hopefully years to come, I know I would regret not doing something like not uh, this. But the other thing too is is that you know that um, you're hoping that when you've, you know. When you get into your dotage, and when you, uh, you know, when you do, you're you hoping that you give your kids experiences that that encourage in them a sense of curiosity, a sense of wonder, a sense of of confidence that well, if if we can do that, then you know, um, changing a job or changing a career or asking that boy or girl out or or going travelling or, or you know. I can, if I've done that, then I can do this. Yeah, and it's it's hopefully you know that when I've when I've died, you know that my kids will remember me fondly for providing those kinds of experiences with them.
1: David, I think you've very simply but profoundly defined what I think education should be about in all its realms, as in curiosity, wonder, and confidence.
2: We didn't mean to um, uh, steal your next book there, Pete, but, uh, <laughs> but there you go there.
1: Um, next week, how long? If I may, I'm going I'm to continue the vulnerability point um, because throughout lockdown for me, um, I, I feel very fortunate and I'm humbled. And I, I think we have obviously created this, my wife and I, but we're still fortunate that we've got three great kids and all five of us get on. And during lockdown, you know what? We weren't locked down in a in an off road caravan, but some of the things we've done and chatted about and experienced and discussed and I said to them the other night, um, and I'm, I'm welling up a little bit because I I felt it and I'm about to say it again. I I found myself falling in love more and more with my with my family as every week passed. What was that like for you in a In a tin can.
2: um, Well, we I I guess there's a difference in that some people have experienced lockdown in um, in parts of the world where where they couldn't leave their flats. So I can understand, you know, where cabin fever sets in, um, and uh, you know tensions rise, and uh, and uh, and people think, well, that's just You know, you 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 know, you 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 square that or cube that in a caravan, and it's going to be far worse. But it's not the case. In fact, you know, with a with a caravan, you're spending far more time outside, and you really only you know your caravan really is just there for for sleeping. Um, That was our experience anyway. We were going on walks and at the beach, and um, you know, sitting outside of an evening around the campfire, and and so you so. You know, the although I did have a number of times where you know you're lying in bed, or uh, you know heading off to sleep, you're chatting with your kids, or in the bunks down the other end of the the caravan, and you you have this realization, of course, that your your greatest earthly wealth is within five or six meters of you. You've got your wife beside you, your partner, and uh, you've got your, your in my in my experience, you know, my family, three kids down there chatting. Uh, and everything that matters in this life is there. And so the experience, as many have experienced through this once in a century pandemic, is a reminder of um, of just the importance of the simpler things in life. Mm. You know, the family that you've got there, Pete, in your uh, in your in your house, um, Have you got enough food for the day? Yes. Have you got somewhere warm to sleep for tonight? Yes. Well, that's all you need, isn't it? That's all you need, this worrying about tomorrow and and, uh, all those other concerns. They quickly fall by the wayside when you have have these experiences like you've had and like many of your your listeners would have had, just to remind you uh, of what's what's important.
1: Hmm. I'm making a big assumption that in, in, since I've known you, and I'm guessing your journey since then, that you're a relatively introspective, reflective, you know, you, you think about your thinking, you've done a lot of work on yourself. Over the last 12 months, what did you learn about yourself that was maybe a surprise
2: to you? Over the last 12 uh, months, um, yeah, look, I think it's a, um, Well, I've been keeping a journal uh, a journal each day uh, as, as I have for the last 20 years. now I say look a journal each day. it's, it's only five minutes um, uh, you know five minutes, 10 minutes each day that, where you just reflect on, on your experiences and what you're thinking about. Uh, I've encouraged actually my kids um, who probably aren't old enough to keep a regular journal, but part of their schooling, uh, this year has been keeping a journal, uh, a journal each day, um, as well. And one of the things they they uh, they kind of roll their eyes at me when I suggested each day is is to, to to say, look, more than just writing about what you've done or what you've seen, write about how that made you feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's my hope that as you know that that as I've learned and as You've done, Peter. When you've, when, because I know you do a something, something similar. You start seeing uh, commonalities uh, crop up um, with, uh, you know, with, with your experience. And I think your, your question was, "What have I learned about myself over the last uh, 12, uh, 12 months?" There's um, two things. One is, is that, is that it's a reminder to me that uh, we should regularly upend our lives every couple of years or in my case probably every 10 years just do something that uh that completely uh completely upends it because it's a reminder that things are going to be okay things will be okay no matter what uh what happens um and so i've i've the experience has reminded me that dramatic things can happen in your life and yet you can you'll 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 still not just survive but thrive. Mm-hmm. So, look, I'm not sure whether that's yeah. Um, I'll, I'll probably when we hang up uh, from this uh, this Zoom chat, uh, Pete. I'll think of something more profound. But that that's the answer that comes to mind for me at the moment.
1: And there was a second thing, or was that the second thing? Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, there was a second thing, wasn't there? There was two things. Um, I'm probably. Um, It's also been a reminder that uh, there is some continued work I need to do on myself. (laughs) I I thought that I was, I thought that I was, um, uh, you know, uh, immensely patient, Uh, but (laughs) there have been some, there have been some events, some occasions, some incidences where I have lost my cool with the kids and lost my cool in a way that even shocked me. Uh, And so I've, you know, I've, I've, I've had to think about that and say what was going on during that uh, time. It wasn't the kids that really set me off. They were just a trigger. There was something else going on. What was it? What fear? What concern? What was going on that, that had me lose my cool uh, more than I, I should have and more than I expected?
1: That's a very honest and vulnerable answer, sir. Thank you. And I know that you use the words reminder Uh, despite me asking you about what did you learn about yourself and what I observe in most of the insights that people have whether it's 12 months around Australia in a tin can whether it's a change of job or lifestyle or a change of country is depending on what stage of life they're at it's often a reminder it's often uh, I know that but I needed to be reminded of that and, and it's rarely something that comes as a surprise to them that they don't know. What the surprise is often is how often or how how much they'd forgotten, and so it acts as a reminder, as opposed to something brand new, which I think in itself tells us a little bit about our about our humanity in what we need to thrive and survive. Yeah.
2: That's right. And so, so I mentioned journaling before, and doing a daily journal, and it's been a practice I've been doing for the better part, pretty much since my last year or two of, uh, of high school, on and off, you know, but certainly pretty much each day, or at least every second day for the last, you know, 25 years. And uh, um, as well as, the, you know, as well as a journaling process, helping you to work through whatever you're going through at the moment, uh, what I didn't expect um, with this practice was and Pete you've probably known this far earlier than me and maybe many of your listeners will have as well I'm late to this this understanding was that when you read through your old journals uh, and I tend to do this each you know each day I'll read through one from twenty years ago one from you know ten years ago and one from a year ago you through that practice, you are reminded of many lessons that you had but forgot, uh, uh, forgot about, and um, and so that kind of little bit of autobiographical biographical reminder of uh, of of what you're capable of. Uh, what your weaknesses are uh, how you tend to respond in in certain circumstances and situations uh, you know that having that reminder there on your bookshelf in the form of a journal um, yeah I, I've found a real uh, a real blessing for uh, for my for my continued growth
1: you said that it was in your heart and you over many years, we were trying to convince your wife. Uh, I'm guessing maybe your kids were too young to even understand the possibility. Focusing on them for a second, what, what helped them thrive in dad's adventure? And when did it become our adventure, not just dad's adventure?
2: So, look, Joanne, my wife, uh, she, you know, she, um, uh, you know, Joanne's uh, Preference is normal, regular, routine, and uh, and a, and a, and a um, uh, predictable rhythm to life. So I've got to really give it to you know to, for who being willing to, um, to to do this with the other uh, family. Uh, look, the two older girls were also a bit reluctant to to come around uh, on this uh, on this trip, uh, but when you're 14 and and close to 13. You don't really have a lot of leverage in what the family does, do you? So, so and then the nine-year-old boy—he was just happy, just I don't know, playing Lego wherever it was. He could do it in his lounge room or in the back of the car. He was just happy with wherever we, wherever we were. And you remember that—you know—that joke. You may, you may have heard the joke of you know the um, the uh, the man who goes out golfing every uh, every uh, Sunday, and um, uh, you know, one day he, he he doesn't get home until five or six o'clock at night. And his wife says, you know, how come you were so late? He says, oh, you know, you know, Jack, my regular partner, he has a he has a heart attack on the first hole. My wife says, oh, my goodness, is that why you're late? He goes, yeah. So, you know, for the next 18 holes, it's hit the ball, drag Jack, hit the ball, drag Jack. Uh, <laughs> uh, and... and- and so, you know, that's the, so that joke is a reminder for the first two or three months of, of this, of, of our, of our, you know, trip around Australia. For the first two or three months, I felt like I was dragging the family around the, you know, around the country. Um, but what something happens, I, I think, and, and people who've done something similar to this will recognize this dynamic. And that is that after about two or three months, you start getting into your rhythm. And you need to give. If anyone is thinking about doing a trip like this so over an extended period of time, you've got to allow yourself a few months of, you know, you know, frustrations and difficulties, and mm. you know, even wondering whether you've done the right thing. But just, yep. just know that that after a period of time, you find a, uh, you find a rhythm that uh, you know that it just all starts to uh, starts to come together. So. Um, look, the, the question was, uh, I forgot the question, Pete, what do the kids, yeah, what I'm just
1: hoping... in, yeah. When, when did it switch from dad's adventure to the family adventure, and, and what did you do, what could they do to support themselves through that, because you know, nine months on from having it switched, it's self-sustaining, I'm guessing.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, look, it, it switched, it switched for each of us at different periods, there's the middle child, you know, child number two, which took a lot longer to, um, to stop saying, you know, you've, you've taken me away from friends um, to, you know, that, that comment late one night around a campfire where she says, dad, I'm really glad you, I'm really glad we're doing this. Um, so it happens at different times, depending upon the personalities and proclivities of your, of, your, of your kids. I'm still not sure that my wife is exactly there yet. We're coming to the end of it. And I, I can see a smile and a glint in Joanne's eyes that we are coming. And, you know, I've said one of our options is, is to keep on, you know, to keep going. And she's really sort of, you know, uh, clamped down any kind of conversation of that, uh, of that nature so I think uh, I think, um, although I know, well, I hope um, that in in uh, you know uh, over the next uh, few months and years, Joanne will also look back at it with uh, with very fond memories, as I know she has. But yeah. I think she's looking forward to getting back to a more um, to a more structured lifestyle. What, what
1: what is she looking forward to the most?
2: Uh, look, she's a gardener. Uh, so she likes her, uh, her gardens. I think she's looking forward to a little bit of uh, space of her own, um, uh, and uh, and so uh, so she is. She we, we do have some uh, other projects uh, planned for next uh, year, and one of those, Pete, is, is she wants to buy a, a farm uh, uh, in New South Wales. Um, uh, near uh, nearer to family, and so um, you know she's leveraging leveraging this twelve month trip now by saying, you know, hey, you did this, David. So look, let's let's for the next project, why don't we do that? And she's got she's got a bit of leverage. She's got some. Uh, I think that's a trump card. So uh, I think she's looking forward to uh, to getting back into uh, into gardening.
1: So you're coming to the end of this particular adventure. Um, what are you looking forward to, and yet what are you not looking forward to?
2: Look, our our uh, so so at the moment, I am writing a book. This sounds really highbrow, doesn't it? Really, and I'm writing a book. Well, I am. Um, I'm, I'm writing a book on the first two uh, people, two young guys, 21 year olds who were who were the first to drive a motor vehicle around Australia back in 1925. It's an incredible story wow. of adventure. Uh, and they did it in a tiny secondhand uh, Citroen seven horsepower um, car that was just barely enough room for the, for the both of them, overcoming incredible obstacles. It took them five months to do it. And uh, and it's a story that's never really been written down in detail, and so you know why not me to write the story of this book, seeing as we've just done this, seeing as a centenary is coming up in a couple of years' time, and seeing as that these two young blokes were missionaries that belonged to my church, Uh, and the car is yeah the car is now uh, held in the National Museum of Australia. Ah, uh, there in Canberra, uh, and it's a great story. So I'm going to write a book, and I've had access to a whole bunch of archives that uh, that allows me to to do this. So I'm in the the process over the next few months of uh, of writing this uh, writing this book. I do need to, um, and I say I do need to head back out on the road to go to some of the places these guys went to. Uh, to research this book, so I'll be back over in Western Australia uh, next year and other places, uh, but my wife tells me I'll be there on my own, <laughs> so there's a bit more travel and adventure to uh, to do this in preparation for, uh, for that, and look, I am dreaming a little bit. I managed to come across, uh, about a month ago, uh, uh, the same model car that did the 50th anniversary of uh, lap around Australia back in 1975. It hasn't been driven since. It's in perfect condition. Wouldn't it be great in a couple of years time for the centenary to drive that same car around Australia uh, to commemorate uh, that event? So that's what we're, uh, That's what I'm in the early stages of planning as well.
1: That looks like an obvious next invitation to guest and talk about that experience, So.
2: Pete, if you're in a couple of years' time, you want to jump in a this tiny little hundred-year-old car with me and and circumnavigate the continent, Pete. I, I can think of uh, you know far worse travel companions than you, buddy.
1: <laughs> I, I think I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, you, you started by you know your your, and I don't know you're not spooking advice necessarily, but you had this idea that if something's in your heart that won't go away find a way to do it this has obviously been in your heart and you've now done it
2: has it gone away Uh, Uh, well no not but it it is something you where i even if you know uh family circumstances you know wouldn't allow me to um to do something like this ever again, I'll look back and with incredible fondness of the experience, mm. uh, you know. Um, so, uh, so, but I've always look. I've always had a little bit of tra- a travel wonderlust in me. Um, that's where you and I met over in the UK twenty odd uh, years ago. I thought I'd go over for a year and ended up being there ten years. Pete, you've got a similar experience too. You. You know, you went from the UK to Australia uh back in the, the mid '90s, and you gave yourself two years, didn't you? And and yep. and here you are, 14 years later, still uh, still living in Australia as well. So, yep. look, p- folk that do have a little bit of what do they call it? Itchy feet, wanderlust. Um, uh, uh, know the experience if they're listening in and they've got that they know the experience that it never quite leaves you you may be able to put the, the lid on it for a little while but every now and again it comes out and whether that's a you know a week's trip here or a years trip somewhere else um you know rather than rather than having a single trip of a lifetime um why not have a lifetime of trip? so you know ah oh, uh, david boom yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, that's not my line by the way but it's a good line it's a good that is line. a great uh, line yeah but why not you know why not um uh if it's in your heart and i think that was the case for me with with ministry pete you know i tried many things before i finally succumbed to that calling i tried to avoid it mm. but like the story of the ancient story of jonah in the bible you know, where he tries to escape, you know, the calling on his life. Um, finally, you've got to succumb to it and just, uh, just, just follow it. And so that was, you know, in our in our our current experience, that was what it was like for me. You know, it was it was it won't go away, Joanne. We just have to do this.
1: David, I'm going to pause our conversation there because I can't go past that that Hollywood line of it was more than a trip of a lifetime. It was a lifetime of trips. Um, we we finished these, David, with going to four or five quick fire rounds. So I'm going to fire a couple of questions at you, if you'd be happy to answer with the first word that comes to mind. What's your favourite Aussie word?
2: Aussie word, uh, good on you. Good on you, which is kind of like Three words, but the way the Aussies say it, it's one word, isn't it? Get it's not on
1: all one word. Yeah. Um, what's a rule you like to
2: break? Uh, yes, if the majority are doing it, then it must be wrong. What's
1: one thing you wish you knew the day before you left on your trip?
2: That... Um, day before i left on the trip um that it'll be all right in the end and i think that's pretty much what you could approach this pandemic with too can't you you know it'll it'll be all right in the end as a species we've survived far worse and all of those you know i know this meant to be a quick fire thing peter but let me just throw this in for those who may be concerned about the pandemic you know and what all that means it'll be all right in the end and if it's Uh, not all right, it's not the end. It'll be all right in the end.
1: I've got to stop. I've got to stop there. You've just given us too much there. I can't can't ask another question now. If it's not all right, it's not the end. Oh, my goodness. Sir, I am so grateful, humbled and delighted that you came on and shared a small part of what has been an extraordinary year. And don't you ever, ever believe the story that you're not an ordinary guy doing extraordinary things. It's been a real pleasure, David. And I do look forward to us grabbing a hug and a beer together when you finally make it back down to Sydney.
2: I'll, um, I'll take the hug. But being an ordained minister of, uh, of the Christian faith, I'll have to forego the beer, unfortunately, Pete. But I not, will non-alcoholic?
1: Non-alcoholic?
2: Oh, yeah, of course. I forgot about that. Yes, Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course.
1: David, thank you for your time. It's been my pleasure indeed.